guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to recognize our incredibly generous sponsors, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, John Fallowich, Fallowich Construction Services, Jim Cover, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, and Building Omaha, a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. Thank you, one and all. You are true believers in workplace safety and health, and I appreciate you. All right, let's get into today's episode. Hi, guys. This is Doug. You are listening to a very special edition of What's the Hazard today. It is Friday, December 9th. We're coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska on a cold, chilly morning, damp morning. Um, my guest today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip right to the, the meat of the, of the program. Normally, I throw out some anecdotes or some things from my week, but we are going to get right to the guest today. My guest today is an icon in the Nebraska <laughs> safety and health community. No shit. No. <laughs> I'm serious. Probably one of the inaugural members of the Nebraska Safety and Health Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. Do we, <laughs> do we, have, do we have such a thing? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have one after this. Um, a recently anointed PhD, which I am most impressed by. Congratulations. Um, any other accolades you want me to throw out there before we get to? No, that's fine. It's my pleasure, truly, it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Doris Burns. Oh, whoa, Dr. Excellent. Doris Burns. Dr. Do- does that sound awesome? It sounds have weird. You, you haven't gotten used to it yet, probably, have you? I haven't, I mean, because I'm still Doris. Are you? <laughs> to, For you. To everybody, uh, well, with a few exceptions, probably. And you helped me get that doctorate. Uh, well, I squeezed on the thing for a yeah. little while. Oh, but boy, it... that doesn't sound good. <laughs> right. Well, that was the... <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I twisted the thing. I didn't really squeeze on you know. <laughs> for all of those who participated, no, it was a pleasure to be a small part of that, you know, and I was really excited to do that. I, I wasn't able to finish the program, unfortunately, yeah. just because of my schedule constraints, perhaps, or lack of interest, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> what no, no, just scheduling, obviously. But I'm really thrilled that you could come and join me today. Um, we have known each other for quite a long time when long we look time. back. and and no, I, um, I never wanted to be one of those old safety people that, you know, you know, look back at your career. Oh, you remember so and so. <laughs> right, right, right. Back when we had canaries and we were using all sorts of sampling devices that just, that, I totally agree. And and um, so you have had the dignity to do something new and change and maybe move on with your life. I'm still clinging to it, like yeah, yeah, you sorry. know. But I, what I would, I I hope it's okay. But yeah. what I would really like to do two things. I would like to do first. A little, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about your journey, how you came to be in this profession and some of the stops along the way, some of the things that you've enjoyed about the profession. But I really want to talk about, you know, the dissertation, of the, mm-hmm. your research topics and some of the findings and things like that, because to me, this stuff is really interesting. Just the whole process of, you know, getting the PhD and the commitment that you had to make to do that. Right. You were doing this while you were working full time and living life and all of those things so start were you um i'm guessing that you were probably a young girl on the plains of nebraska somewhere dreaming about being a safety person one day is that how it started oh since i was like five (laughs) (laughs) 
how did it start for you? It was uh, by accident, just like everybody else of our age group. Absolutely. Because, you know, because now there's colleges and, you know, degrees now in safety. But uh, when when I grew up, there wasn't such a thing, you no. know. So uh, um, I actually fell into it by accident. I had a – my husband and I were moving to the Chicagoland area, and uh, a friend of mine who I met in Germany in the Army – had this job at Aetna Life and Casualty when they were property and casualty insurance. Now they're just uh, health care insurance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when they were property and casualty insurance, he, he had this job as a safety engineer. And I was looking for a different job. And I got, What had you done in the military, if you don't? What, what was your career track in the military? Um, it was uh, both logistics and uh, nuclear, okay. biological, and chemical oh, okay. warfare. Okay. Yeah, and I'm a chemistry degree. So, this is, so safety isn't too far off. It's a hard science mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. so it wasn't too too far off. So anyway, so he got me a job as a safety engineer at uh, Aetna Life and Casualty, and then I just stayed in the safety profession the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it's it's a fun, I mean, it's a fun profession. It's, you know, obviously it can, you know, put gray hairs on you for sure, mm-hmm. depending on the position mm-hmm. you have. And um, But it's been, it's been good because you can, you can, you don't necessarily see what you've accomplished, but you you know that you've made a difference in somebody's life. Yeah, that's it's really interesting that you say that because I envy, <laughs> you know, the construction worker who can drive by and say, "I built that" yeah. or whatever, and we oh, and we yeah. can't really say that, right? You know, interestingly, that's but, why I like to mow yards. I don't do it anymore. Now, <laughs> <laughs> right, you have someone but, do that yeah. now. <laughs> but uh, that's what I love mowing yards when I was a kid. I love mowing yards when I was an adult too, because you could see, you could look back mm-hmm. and say, "Wow, that looks nice." Mm-hmm. But you yeah. can see that. Yeah. And is that part of the reason that, you know, you are a credentialed professional and, and, and now you have the PhD and that, and in my experience, there are two types of credentialed people, you know, the people who are truly intellectually curious and they want to learn and they want, and they like these milestones. It gives them some sense of accomplishment. And then there are the assholes that just like to lob a bunch <laughs> of letters behind their That's name right. and try to impress you. That's right. And um, but you've always struck so me. So in as the military, someone. when you when you uh, you have all these pa- we call them patch finders, mm-hmm. the people that just go after these schools to so they can wear the patches mm-hmm. versus the people who are actually going to use the patches. You know right. that you know. So I I agree with you. There are those two different kinds of people mm-hmm. that one just have to. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, like patches. You know, and I'm just, you know, I'm like, you know, and I'm only, I'm only, I've got more credentials after my name than what I put. I'm like, three's enough. Three's <laughs> Three enough. So now I got to decide which one I'm taking off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a dilemma. <laughs> that's a dilemma. You got to put the PhD you in gotta there, put, obviously. Oh my God, that yes. That has to be in yes, there. Yes, because that was the most difficult to attain for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's get back to, I, I didn't mean to jump off no, of no, your life. No, no, it was probably my, my fault there. No, it's okay. I was just curious. I know when we met, you were working in town for Grace Mayer. It was yeah, called Grace Mayer yes, at the time. right. And you were heading up Here there. Here these old guys not talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you remember when? <laughs> That's totally what we've become, yeah. And we've been, yeah, trying to avoid it. I'm sorry. I'm going to drag you down that rabbit hole. But that's true. But you were working, you were the, you were the manager of their risk department and basically i was their um consultant safety consult mm-hmm. safety and health consultant to their clients mm-hmm. and so that was one of the benefits of insuring with grace mayor at the time is because you get you get me right yeah um, most definitely yeah and so i helped our clients uh i even did informal 
And you know this. I do remember. You were there. <laughs> I remember well. Yes. Uh, so I did, you know, informal negotiations with uh, right. You with OSHA. Yeah, you intervened with OSHA when yeah. the client oh, yeah. would have an issue. Absolutely, yeah. So I negotiated even their settlements for mm-hmm. them, and they were happy that I was there. So. Absolutely. I remember that well because... Um, I was I a young. Too. That was like the last. You're like, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> that was. It was. That was a difficult part for me. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't love that. But I do remember, probably the first time that we met, we were working. I was with OSHA. You were with right. Grace Mayer at the time, and uh, Omaha Steaks was one of our clients. Was one of yeah. your yeah your client and one of the uh, companies that we worked with. Right. And I can remember walking through. I think it was F Street. And we were walking through that location, and I said, "You guys probably ought to." And you and you looked at me like, "Why would they do that?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, to- uh, "Totally bad idea, right?" <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I don't remember. Don't saying. have to do anything. But you scared the crap out of me, <laughs> and you were just so confident. That's what I have never been. I have that imposter syndrome, and I've always yes. had that imposter syndrome thing. I, I have it too. Do you? I do. Because you have always struck me as someone who is very confident. And very knowledgeable, and um, oftentimes no nonsense. Now, I, we sit here and laugh and joke and have a great time, but you used to scare the crap out of me. <laughs> you liar! <laughs> no, I was like, whatever Dora says is mine. <laughs> what are we going to do? But here's how we're going to settle it. Okay, I'm ha- I'm happy with that. And that that is really uh, unique because I think oftentimes many safety people, OSHA people in particular, really are. Um, Lack confidence. I, I, I think they, we all, I know I did. You kind of hide behind that position a little bit and that little yeah, bit of authority, true, you man. know? Right. It's interesting. Give somebody a badge, they think that they're sheriff. Yes, that's exactly right. And then when you, yeah, and so I, I agree. I mean, especially, you know, OSHA, they have a lot of younger, in my opinion anyway, they have a, a lot of younger people that, you know, haven't. Really? Haven't gotten the gray hairs yet. And, mm-hmm. and so. And they certainly do now. I was, you know. I was talking to somebody well, the other Phil's day. Phil's still there. So. Phil is still, thank God. <laughs> yeah, Phil I is know. still there, and Brian is still there, and Darwin's yep, still behind yep. a desk. I spoke with Darwin this morning on the drive over, over about something. But they have a lot of new people, and, you know, the day that I don't recognize anybody, I'm just going to have to retire and quit because, <laughs> you know, what's the point? at that? You know, it's right. all passed me by. Um, you had a big job at Union Pacific. Are you able to talk about that, or did you sign some kind of a non-disclosure or something? I mean, I could say that I had a job at Union Pacific as manager of safety engineering there, so it was... Yeah, that's a big job. It's a huge job. It's mm-hmm. a huge job. What was that like? Uh, well, that I can't talk about. <laughs> that's, the one, that's where it stops? Okay, I, I totally understand, but I was... Um, I've never had a big job. You know, I've always had little jobs, and mm-hmm. I and I love this, what we do, but... I never had that, the weight of that responsibility, I don't think, you know? I mean, so I'm curious. Um, I remember when you went to Union Pacific, mm-hmm. and we were all, all Doris's at Union Pacific, and and then I saw your title, and then we were, we talked a little bit about what you were even doing. I think you and Beth and I were drinking beer one day, one Us? afternoon. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I've got it mixed up. Maybe it was Phil and somebody else, but... I mean, what was the scope of your <clears throat> So job? basically, I was the <clears throat> sort of like the, I guess, the OSHA-type consultant for the 23 states, going to all of their locations. Doing, I would do like mock audits, you know, of, mm-hmm. I, I don't like calling them audits. I call them visits because we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would just go and just do walkthroughs of their sites and 
know, make recommendations as to how to make it a little bit safer. And mm-hmm. and how many people were, were you responsible for? I mean, that's a huge well, organization. Well, <clears throat> I wasn't responsible for the people, um, but I obviously impacted. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the so at the time I joined Union Pacific, there was close to 50,000 employees. Uh, but when I left, it was about 30,000 employees. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Just attrition, or just downsizing, or yes. or or more efficiency? Did the rail does as the railroad become more efficient well, they and less? Their, I would say the <clears throat> they changed their. They would say efficiency. I'm sure, but they just changed their. You know, corporations they expand and contract, expand mm-hmm. and contract, and it was just in a contraction period right now at the Union Pacific, where they're saying, you know what, we're going to slough off the little stuff, mm-hmm. and we're going to focus on our premium business, mm-hmm. and so that's what I would. You know, it's. Just a contraction, mm-hmm. I would say. That's a fairly significant <clears throat> contraction, though. Very much so, yeah. And and when did you leave the railroad? Just recently? Yeah, so I, uh, <clears throat> I, um, my last work day was in February, but my retirement date was in March. So okay. I, I'm officially retired. From oh, that's the awesome. I know. Congratulations. <laughs> that is awesome. And so <clears throat> let's talk about this PhD thing. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, can you talk just a little bit about what that is, I mean, it's the pinnacle academically of achievement and um, what that is, what, you know, what the process was like. You did this while you were working full time. It's very hard, especially if you're traveling, it's very hard. So I wouldn't recommend it (laughs) to anybody who has, you know, that travels for, Mm -hmm. if you just have a nine to five job or even nine to six or, you know, eight to six, whatever, um, you could probably do it Mm -hmm. um, if you're disciplined and, you know, didn't have all, you know, I'm, I'm an empty nester too. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have kids, you know, I waited. Um, so my daughter was already gone. And um, so I wouldn't recommend it to anybody that, you know, doesn't have, you know, some time and not a lot of commitment. I mean, I still had commitments and everything, mm-hmm. but, um, <clears throat> and the thing is, is I fell into this too. Um, <laughs> um, so in the army, I was, you know, I've, I have my 20 years, and plus I was called up to go to Iraq, and so I had the post 9/11 GI Bill, and I'm like, well, gosh, if Doug Fletcher is going to pay for my education, I mm-hmm. should I should go get it. It was my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. <clears throat> and so I got my master's degree um, in 2012 at UNMC. At UNMC, same College of Public Health. So I have a okay. master's in public health, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and then I was. My advisor for my master's of public health, um, he was in charge of this program in Nebraska where if you you go through health education in any of the state colleges, undergraduate, like, you know, nursing at, I don't know if Wayne State has nursing, but, um, or if you wanted to become a doctor, a medical doctor, and you're from rural Nebraska, go on to some of these know, mm-hmm. colleges, you know, part of the university system, that you would be guaranteed a seat at the medical school at UNMC. So there was this, I forget what the name of the program was, but he was in charge of it. And so when I was finishing my master's, I'm like, and he was telling me what he did. He was new. And I'm like, uh, I said, well, what about me? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, I'm from rural Nebraska. I said, I wouldn't mind being a medical doctor. He goes, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So he picks up the phone, and he calls somebody, and they look at my, you know, what I'd already had, 
and they go, well, you need uh, you need genetics, and you need uh, what, uh, biochemistry, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, you can you can get into the medical school. <laughs> that would be cool. And so I took genetics and I took biochemistry at UNO, so I would have it, but. The day before I was to go to my MCAT, and I'd been studying for my MCAT and everything, and I was I was prepared. But the day before, the, the rule is no drama. The day before you take your MCAT, no drama. Well, the day before I took my MCAT, drama. Um, uh, I was 50 years old at the time, and, what you know, at 50 years old, you got to take some tests, you know, doing my thing, you know. Uh, and then uh, the day before my MCAT, I get a call and says, it's uh, it's cancer. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember. And I'm just like. I didn't realize that. <laughs> and no so shit. I went to my MCAT anyway, but I, I thought I was early, but I was actually late. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't take my MCAT. And I'm like, you know what? I think somebody's trying to tell Maybe me something. Maybe this is a sign. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I, I totally somebody's agree. Somebody's trying to tell me something. And then, uh, uh, I, you know, I had the surgery and everything I needed to do and. I was getting the bills in from my stay at the hospital and everything, and I'm looking at how much these doctors had to write off mm-hmm. because of contractual agreements when I was, you know, I'm TRICARE or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my doctor, my surgeon, who had, you know, four years of undergraduate, four years of medical school, and as a surgeon, you probably had another eight years. At least, yeah. yeah, at least eight years to become a surgeon. And he gets one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for five hour surgery. <laughs> right. It's it's ridiculous. It's nuts. <laughs> I'm like, and I wasn't going to become a medical doctor for the money, but I but. just in just a quick you know mm-hmm. uh, calculation in my head, I said, okay, if I'm going to medical school, I got to stop work, mm-hmm. and, and then I got to pay for medical school and and yeah. pay for all my expenses. I'm like, you know, that's a million dollars right there, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Yeah, I don't think that was. And so I'm like, you know, maybe I just need to go get my PhD instead. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, so instead of going to get my do my MCAT, I went to go. I had to do my GRE. <laughs> I remember all of these. I remember. And you know, and I even I talked to Dr. Rogan, who was actually my adv- advisor on my PhD. Um, and I'm like, why do I have to get a GRD or GRE? I said, why do I got to do that? I said, I, I just got a master's degree from you. I'm like, what if I don't pass my GRE? What does that say about your program <laughs> right. that you would give me a master's degree? <laughs> Maybe you don't want me taking a GRE. <laughs> that's true. That's, uh, but she, that's just Yeah, you know. she goes, well, you know, she goes, scientifically, um, there's, no, there's no research that supports that if you, get, if you do a good job on your GRE, that you're going to be a good student. And she goes, mm-hmm. but that's our... That's our rules. <laughs> at this point, that's the rule, yeah. right? That's yeah. Uh, and so I took my GRE, and that you know you get your results right away. And I had no idea what those results even meant. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I sent them over to UNMC, and I'm like, "Is this good enough to get in?" <laughs> oh yeah. And they're calling you by your first name anyway. They know you. I mean, yeah, Doris, you can get in. And so I love that. So was that shortly after 2012 or something? Or it would have been about 20, yeah, 2014. Okay. Um, and and this, and the one of the reason why I went to PhD route too is I looked at what the requirements were for me to get the PhD versus what I'd already done to get my master's, 
And I'm like, well, I've already taken almost all of these classes already. It's mm-hmm. only going to be a couple more classes and mm-hmm. a, a dissertation. How hard can that be? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, what have I got, like three weeks invested yeah. in this or something? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the coursework, I mean, if all you had to do is coursework to get your Ph.D., everybody would do it because mm-hmm. that, that, that part's pretty easy. But That's the part I got through. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah. As an abject failure, I dropped out of my program. But, yeah, the coursework was very typical. You'd been yeah. doing coursework all along. You were familiar with that. That wasn't the challenging no, part. No, it was the, it was the dissertation part. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, you, don't, you just don't, you don't realize it, you know, when you, you're seeing it off in, you know, in the distance, and you're like, ah. Mm-hmm. That's that's a nothing, mm-hmm. but no, it's, it's a something. it is something. Yeah, <laughs> it's a something. It, it truly is a something, which is why this is so impressive to me. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you formulated the idea for your research proposal, your project. So I am on the ASTM International F twenty three Committee on Personal Protective Equipment and Clothing, and uh, when I first joined that group. I was quite surprised that all of these standards that safety professionals have to deal with daily, <clears throat> um, how they're actually made. And because there's really no science necessarily behind this stuff, it's mm-hmm. how, what people think really? is the best. There's no, yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. Because, yes. so for example, like, you know, what's the definition of fire resistive? Like, you have to wear FR clothing. Mm-hmm. What's the definition of FR? There is not. Really? So there's, there's, there's like a plethora of standards that, they, that these consensus makers, um, what they believe it should be. Why? And that was one of the first questions I would ask in these committees because I'm like, like, I don't you know, want to be stupid or anything. I'm like, but why? How did we arrive at this? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, oh, she's a troublemaker. There she goes asking why. So I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's not always objective. The data, it's not always based on some. That's right. A lot of it's very, very, very subjective. Really? If, yeah. I mean, now granted it's, and basically safety professionals, the people who are on the ground like you mm-hmm. are on the ground trying to make people's lives safer you're automatically assuming that these standards that you're going by, of course we do, are you know, oh, this must be it, mm-hmm. uh, or this pair of gloves that you buy from your uh, your safety equipment provider, they told you it was this. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, you know, oh, it's a cut resistant three A three. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And if you knew how you know these test methods were, you're like. Oh, well, that's not what I do. You know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. so cut resistance is all about a razor blade, how how a razor blade can cut through the material mm-hmm. and how much weight has to be on the razor blade to, for it to cut through the material. And like, well, how many of us work in places that all we have is razor blades? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I've never been in one in 35 years that I'm aware of. Right. But that's, that's really amazing. So so the, the dissertation, the 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 subject of my dissertation was based off of that ASTM international standard of uh, grip characterization of protective gloves. Mm-hmm. So I had experience where um, we had this 
glove that when it was dry, it was great. I mean, grippy, you know, so if you were like picking and packing out of a warehouse mm-hmm. or whatever, it was fantastic. But as soon as it got wet, it was a safety hazard. Because mm-hmm. um, so, certain materials, when they get wet, so you're thinking of people in the firefighting, mm-hmm. you know, firefighters or ag industry when mm-hmm. you're out in the rain, a railroad when you're out mm-hmm. in the rain, and you know anybody who has to deal with the elements. Right. Um, the grip characterization of your glove when it's dry, when it's wet with water and wet with oil would make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so that's so that was an already an ASTM international test method, but to get to the test method, they used five people, and I'm like, well, <laughs> no, maybe it's correct, you know. But yeah. there was no, there was no, there was no background on mm-hmm. the of why they thought this was enough, and and they only used three people, and this, you know, you only have to use three people to give a characterization of the glove, and so I'm like, you know. Let me see if that's even correct, the way the current test method is. And it's to be honest with you, it's pretty much correct. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have a couple of recommendations. And, of course, I'm the point person on that ASTM standard. So now I can Excellent. get it changed. So I'm, I'm in 2023, you're probably going to see a change in um, the ASTM test method for grip characterization. But that's only for dry gloves. And so now I want to continue on now. Now that I know that this test method is good, now I can go on to see if the next test method, you know, can use that test method to do gloves when they're wet with water so and wet with oil. Does that mean that you are going to um, take a faculty position and continue doing this research with, uh, like, within an institution? Des- or how, how will you do that? I haven't decided yet. Um, so the original um, research was done at North Carolina State University. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I can work, you know, they obviously have the you know, the equipment and, you know, the, the place to do all this. Mm-hmm. Here at here in Omaha, we really don't have it. So you could go down there periodically and... Yeah, or, you know, or figure out something. You know, yeah. and my, my advisor on, on on this dissertation, Dr. Chandra Nachutin, which I, mm-hmm. I think... I've you, met. Yeah, yeah, I think you've met him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he'll. I'm sure he'll help me too. He goes, maybe you can get a NIOSH grant or something like that. So yeah, <laughs> isn't he with NIOSH? He is now, but he doesn't do gloves. Okay, I, was say, <laughs> I don't might, even might be able to like say a little something to yeah. the funding department. Well, at least at least you know, point me in the right direction. Yeah. you know. Yeah. No, that's fantastic because it does need to be expanded upon. It does. Right? I mean, you it need does. To. It does. Uh, um, because again, you know, if you have PV, you know, PVC, you know. Dipped gloves, they're great when they're dry, mm-hmm. but when they're wet, like I said, they're a safety hazard. If you're yeah. trying to climb a ladder with wet gloves, you I mean it's mm-hmm. a safety hazard. Well, I work with uh, some trucking companies that mm-hmm. haul liquids and sure. things, and they have that occasion. Those guys are working dry and with you know their hands right. are wet, and I'd never even considered that. And I guess that's kind of a shame on me for not doing so. But well, the grip characterization is, is an ASTM test method, but it's still not in any like ANSI standard. Mm-hmm. And so I think it does need to get either an ANSI or ISO. Cause I'm, I'm on an ISO glove committee too. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. Um, so I, I think it'd probably be easier to get, um, get it into an ISO standard um, through Europe mm-hmm. than through the United mm-hmm. States, to be honest. Sure. With you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Do you mind if I show the, Oh, Oh, we have a camera. We're I didn't even notice. Here. Oh, shoot. This is, <laughs> look at that bad boy. I'm going to read this right after. 
<laughs> I do hope to read it at some point once it's finalized and published. It's, and it's published. Is it? It is. So I can obtain a copy of it maybe through the um, university. There's a one year, what they call it. Uh, anyway, nobody can download it for a year. Oh, what they, okay. I'm trying to remember. Embargo. There's a one year embargo. Okay. But I can probably, it's bootleg, fantastic. I can bootleg you a copy yeah. if you really want to read it. I would be interested in reading it. You're having it. some sort of uh, insomnia. It feels like brush. a PhD. <laughs> it's heavy. <laughs> There's a lot of words. You didn't like space the words out. To, like well, I do it's on double my space. It's double space. So. All right. This is awesome. And I do remember. So talk talk a little bit about the process for those who may be unfamiliar with this. You had a you chose an advisor, or you um, yes, you get to choose, and then then you get a committee. Right. And you present your research proposal, and right. they like either ah or yeah or something. How does all that go? So, yes, you do get to, and and I interviewed, um, because I didn't know all the people, you know, because they have to be part of the College of Public Health, because that's where this degree is through. And so I did interview a couple of people, and I had a different advisor to start with, um, but I was just spinning my wheels, and and then, uh, and I really wanted Dr. Chutin from the very beginning, but he was too busy, he had too many students he was working with. But as soon as one of his students graduated, um, then he took me on. Nice. And then once he took me on, it was like night and day. It was like mm-hmm. being stuck in the mud to being in the fast lane. Nice. Yeah. So I was so <laughs> I was I wouldn't I I wouldn't even be sitting here as Doctor right, Doris right, Burns. Right. I would have been like you as an other. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. No, no. You feel you seem like a finisher to me. I'm, I, I'm that's a, the problem. I am. <laughs> starter but not a good i'm not good at, in a finish well, if i system. start something man i gotta finish it good that's for you no i think that's fantastic because this took a while it took a long time and again i think it was because of a couple of years of uh, spinning my wheels and then mm-hmm. of course covid slowed me down too yes because i um, had to have the i was doing a research project that needed human subjects mm-hmm. and so we couldn't do human subjects till via zoom you can't really no, do that over yeah. Zoom. You have to, so you have for to. those who don't know what this project is, yeah. again, it's grip characterization of protective gloves. And so the test method is is you um, torque an acrylic rod, vertically mm-hmm. acrylic rod, so that you're, you're you know, ergonomically you're neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then see how, how much you can torque with your bare hand, and then you put a pair of gloves on, and how much can you torque with a gloved hand, and then... The difference between the gloved hand and the bare hand is called the percent bare hand control value. Mm-hmm. That's been the terminology for decades because mm-hmm. the fire, um, NFPA actually kind of started the glove grip characterization. Um, so anyway, so that's the test method. So when you're saying you gripped and you twisted, that it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> as far as they know, that's exactly what I was talking about. No, yeah, I thought it was fascinating because they were different diameters. Well, the first phase, so that was the whole thing, too. So the test method had a 1.625-inch diameter acrylic rod. I'm like, well, how did they come up with that? Mm-hmm. And there was no documentation as to why they chose it. could have been just something they had in the lab, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, I've got and, this here. Let's yeah, use this. right, and so I'm like, well, let's see if that's the right diameter. And so we chose four different diameter acrylic rods based on anthropometric information mm-hmm. so female you know the, th- the digit three link length mm-hmm. and then of course with that new math you can go from di- uh, mm-hmm. uh just circumference mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, apparently allegedly you can I, 
You know, I'm not sure. I just have to get a tape measure. And but yes. So for, for females and then for males. And so that we, we use those two mm-hmm. diameter acrylic rods. And of course, the 1.625. And then the difference between the male digit three link length and the and the 1.625 was a quarter of an inch. So we added a quarter of an inch to go one over. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so that was the first test. Interesting. And we had, you know, we made sure we had enough people so that we could have statistical significance. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first, we didn't know for sure if there was statistical significance on the original test method because they only used five people. Now, you still can get statistical significance, but it's a lot more difficult. Um, so this time we did. We, we, we had at least 30 men and 30 females. Um, and, and these were volunteers from the community? These were volunteers, yeah. That's awesome. You know, and you know, you ever hear that six degrees of separation for Kevin Bacon? Of course, yeah. It was about two degrees of separation of Doris Burns, of the people who went through there. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone had a connection to you. Somehow, yeah. Fairly Pretty closely. Much. Pretty, yeah, within, I would say, two degrees Within a couple of, of degrees. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, no, I, I totally that say that's awesome, awesome because yeah. what great what great friends I have. Yes. And, and, you know, and I have a huge family, too. That helps, too. Did you have some family members? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So, they could all be a part of it. I yes. think everybody want, everyone just wanted to be a part yes, of it, yeah. which was cool. It was that awesome. That was painful, and I, as I recall, <laughs> there was a lot of screaming and, like, teeth yeah. gnashing and crying and stuff, but, you know... Um, yeah, an hour. I, I thought of it was time. really exciting. Yeah, and so no, we. So the first step is what you were part of, and that was just determining the rod size. And so from the first step, right. we determined that the one point six two. Oh, that's what inch, it was. Yeah, so oh, one point six two five inch was actually a good, a, a reasonable number. Yeah, it was good because it was uh, the results were similar. For men and for males and females, as far as how long it took for them to get to consistency, mm-hmm. and so the one point six two five inch, although you could t- males and females could torque more on the larger one, one point eight seven five, the consistency between males and females was actually better on the one point six two five. Yeah, very interesting. Yes. And so and so. You do all the research. You you assemble all of this research. First of all, you design your project right. and all those parameters, and you have to get that approved. Right. And then you conduct the research. Talk a little bit about like, defense. What, what What is the defense of your dissertation like? Do you have your committee in front of you, and they're asking you questions, I, or what's so that So, again, like? your advisor, so Dr. Chutin, even though – he promised me he was going to slog through this all the way to the right. end. He didn't realize how much slogging it was. Right. <laughs> he might have changed his mind. <laughs> but, you know, he's what a great guy. Mm-hmm. He, so he now lives out in Cincinnati. He actually drove back for my uh, defense. And he's actually coming back for my graduation or Is my he? convocation. He's going to hood mm-hmm. me on uh, the Is 15th. He? Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Oh, good. So you'll see him at the party. Oh, uh, good. Yeah. Awesome. So, so that was only step one. I still had step two and three of my project, which was now mm-hmm. the glove versus bare hand. Mm-hmm. And so we went through that. And then we also thought, well, you know what? What if, you know, yeah, okay, I got this great grippy glove. But what if my hand is so grippy, my hand moves inside of it? Mm-hmm. And so now I have to really grip something really hard to get that torque. Mm-hmm. And so that step three was actually using a... Um, a pressure sensing glove underneath of the protective glove to see if, okay, this grippy glove is great, but what if I have to grip harder? And so you'll have muscle fatigue Mm -hmm, faster, mm -hmm. you know? 
And so that was my third step is to wow. see if that occurred, which it did not occur, which was great. So, yeah. That's so, a really interesting question. Yeah. I would have not thought of that. That's interesting. And, I mean, you don't want to introduce, you know, more fatigue right. to achieve greater Right. Grip. Correct. And that's interesting. Wow. Yes. Very cool. So anyway, the, back. So I. So those. It was a three-step process. So, so you only you only went to the first step. Mm-hmm. The second step was actually done at UNO, at the uh, Kiewit Center. They have this monstrous environmental chamber, and so people could actually go in. So we had to condition the gloves first, so that they're all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. all at seventy degrees Fahrenheit, sixty-five percent relative humidity. Uh, and then people could actually, it's, it's, a, it's such a humongous uh, environmental chamber. I, th- I think all of Omaha should know that this chamber exists. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. But I've then again, I'm a geek. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, it's cool. And so anyway, so the, our, our test subjects that time would actually go in and into the environmental chamber and do the torquing mm-hmm. bare hand mm-hmm. and, and two different types of, of gloves. Okay. And, uh, and then some of them would continue on and do the third step with the pressure sensing glove underneath. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, 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 uh, the, the, the defense is me explaining this whole project to yes, my, my committee and then anybody else who wants to come in mm-hmm. and anybody else who wants to listen in. Mm-hmm. And so my friend from North Carolina state university was actually listening in too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so yeah, then they, they, anybody can ask you questions, uh, and hopefully, you know, why uh, did you choose these parameters? Why did you do this? Did you exactly. consider that? Yep. I mean, on it. Oh, oh, my God. oh, yeah. Was it enjoyable or horrible or somewhere in between? So, so Dr. Chutin was fantastic because he, for like the couple of weeks before, I would give him the presentation and then he'd ask me questions and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I better, apparently. <laughs> so I'm writing all these damn questions, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially statistics questions. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so he'd ask me some statistics question. I'm like, <sighs> I'll write it. I'll go look it up. Right. Oh. You know, because at, at a I certain remember, age, yeah. don't you think that you've you've forgotten more than you remember? Oh, Without question. And statistics was never really my strength in the first place. And so I, I've forgotten a lot about statistics. It's interesting. I got a, I will occasionally rent textbooks from Amazon. You know, you can rent textbooks mm-hmm. from them. So I rent, I told, I told myself one time, I need to be better at statistics. You know, I hadn't taken statistics since college. And so I got a statistics textbook and my wife is looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm, I got through chapter one, boxed it back up, <laughs> send it right the fuck back to Amazon. You know, I mean, I, I'm a great starter, but statistics is is difficult. I mean, it, it you know, is you, at a some, higher level. That's well, really yeah. Challenging. Sometimes you think, how can that even be true? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can mm-hmm. that be statistically significant? Right, right. And <laughs> I don't think people even the vast majority of people who are unfamiliar with statistics even know what significance means what that oh that's true it's not a it's not a really a subjective term it's a it's a definable term right right you know? right so, don't ask me what it is no i couldn't <laughs> we're, we're not gonna do, we're not going to embarrass each other here that's not why we're here but so they're asking you these questions throwing questions at you are yeah, they, and again dr chuton was really good at uh he he he's the one that helped me get my committee together because he knew the people mm-hmm. and he knew who would be an easy yes <laughs> 
<laughs> well, who would be reasonable, yes, hopefully, exactly. at least. They're not there to, like... Right, right, It's right. like an initiation, though. I mean, these people have something that you want. Right. And they're going to either let you into the club or not. That's so exactly it's not, right. It's That's, not really a right. gimme. Right, it's not. And and Dr. Chuton didn't want me to even think that it was a gimme, mm-hmm. even though he, at the end he goes, oh, I always knew you were going to get it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. <laughs> no, no, it's good on him to do it that yeah. way. Um, but he goes, and that's exactly what he said too. And he goes, uh, when at this, he goes, at your defense, these are, these are people who are minutes away from maybe being your colleague, mm-hmm. and they want to make sure right. that you know what you're doing. Totally. Yeah. So that's not. So it's a little. Trivial. It's very stressful. It's very stressful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing was. You know, the whole thing. You know. Do they ask you to step out of the room afterwards? And so, then so yeah. So you have the public. Confer? Yeah, you have the public thing, and then and then the public has to leave. Uh-huh. And then you're just there with your committee, and then they ask you some more questions okay. outside the public, mm-hmm. and then they yeah, then they ask you to leave the room, mm-hmm. and then uh, <laughs> then they call you back in. They call you back in, and actually, my doctor Chuton came out and you know and said okay, and he and he uh, um, puts out his hand and he goes, "Congratulations, Doctor Burns." Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And I'm like, really? What really? <laughs> really? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Psych. Are, oh my God! Oh, that is so stressful. It, yeah, that yeah. sounds incredibly stressful. What, what What did you do afterwards? I went drinking. Uh, yes, that's exactly what I was expecting <laughs> you to say. Did you? I went to did, my I went to my Legion Club. Nice. And uh, yeah, uh, I can't imagine what a relief that must have been. Oh yes. Because this yes. is. Six years of work? So, yeah, six, seven years. Well, of course, you know. The, I mean, part-time, yeah, obviously, right. as you had time yeah, available. Right. But, I mean, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So, you know, once I, you know, retired from Union Pacific, I was working on this, you know, my dissertation, mm-hmm. full, you know, full-time. And uh, after I finally, they said, okay, Dr. Burns. Mm-hmm. The, the, it was like the week after or after, because I did, I was on the 18th of November. It's like the week after, the week after that. Because there were still some things I had to finish up yet but that was like the first week that i felt like i was retired nice the, yeah, yeah it felt like were... a week of saturdays and i'm right. like oh this is, great. this is awesome this is what i've been waiting for yes and what i am <laughs> eagerly anticipating myself <laughs> yeah we talked about that i yeah i look forward to it and um i i don't have this in me but I think I would go back to school or something. Maybe I don't oh, know. Oh, I have so many. That's the. Th- I have so many projects. I mm-hmm. not just this, but other things in my life. I just mm-hmm. want to do and work was just yeah. getting in the way. I know it does. <laughs> it gets I'm, in the way of the things you want to do. Yeah, and I'm lucky because you know I'm a military retiree, so I I have health care. That's why most people stay mm-hmm. working is because they need the health care. But definitely. But I I have that, so I I can retire early. I was 58 when I retired, oh. so yeah. And it's great. I was 58 a while ago. <laughs> work just picked up. It didn't slow down any. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. This is really exciting. So right now, I'm you know, because I have, it was railroad, um, so to maintain your railroad retirement, you can't, you have to maintain your, your connection to the railroad. So if I go and work anyplace else, mm-hmm. I lose the connection to railroad. I see. And so I lose my railroad, ret- the railroad retirement. That's not my social security, but mm-hmm. so I don't want to screw that up because right. railroad yeah, retirement. Yeah, you don't want to screw yeah, that up. No, because that's solvent. Mm-hmm. Right, 
Right. So maybe we could do some under the table stuff. Is that? No, no. What I do is I volunteer. So um, if you take a class at the safety council, the mm-hmm. national safety council, mm-hmm. Nebraska chapter, they give me crap all the time because I <laughs> say it wrong. you say the Nebraska safety council, not that one, not that one. <laughs> right. Yes. Are you are you teaching over there? I I, I volunteer teach over there. Oh, fantastic. And uh, so it Fantastic. keeps me, I know I want to stay into the safety field. Absolutely, sure. And uh, they get a qualified instructor because I'm an OSHA authorized instructor. Absolutely. And uh, the students hop- hopefully get a decent instructor. And oh, they get, yeah, excellent instructor. And then in I'm return sure. for my volunteering at the safety council, um, they make a donation to my late husband's memorial fund nice. at the Legion. Oh, nice. And and what oh, they do is, you that's know. That's fantastic. Yeah, what the memorial fund does is uh, send uh, care packages over the holidays to soldiers serving oh, in harm's way. Fantastic. So last week, Saturday, we had our packing party for the care packages and shipping 63 packages oh, to Nebraska National Guardsmen nice. and women uh, serving in Qatar and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kuwait. That's fantastic. Over the holidays, yeah. That that's noble. I mean, and, and when noble. you tell when you tell that. the students that hey, you know, because you're mm-hmm. like, every time I start, I'm like, well, I'm a volunteer instructor, and I'm, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait a minute, I had to pay for this class, <laughs> right, and I'm exactly. a volunteer, right? Where's all this money going? <laughs> and so then I explained to them uh, that there's a donation being made to the to this fund, and you send care packages, and yeah. so they feel good about that Absolutely. too. Yeah, yeah, they don't feel like they're getting ripped off. Right. Like. <laughs> Well, I oh. guess it's okay. <laughs> no, that is awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I, yeah. I, I'm giddy. That's really cool. Yeah. No, I think it's a, you know, it's a great, there's many times you can get a win-win situation, yes. but there's few times you can get a win-win-win. Right. That's right. And uh, this is a win-win-win. Yeah, that's fantastic. So uh, when we communicated about you coming on and joining me, you had said something about, um, and I don't, I don't think I necessarily prompted with a question, but you said something to the effect of, I think safety professionals need to get involved. I mean, truly. And can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, just that comment. I thought that was a, a very astute comment. Right. Talk so about you, that. Yeah. So just like as we're explaining, when I first went to the ASTM International, it used to be called what? The American Society of Testing of Materials mm-hmm. or something like that. But now that's gone. It's just ASTM International. And they have over 12,000 consensus standards. And, and like I said, the first time I went to this F23 PPE um, committee meeting, nobody could tell me what, what the definition of F... There is no definition of FR. Why isn't there a definition of FR? Right. Um, and there's, like, multiple test methods for FR. And so... Uh, and it's just people's... And, and most of the people on these committees are from the manufacturers and from the testing labs. Mm-hmm. So I've got this $14,000 piece of equipment that just does cut resistance. Um, I need to, I need to make some money to get my, you know, I need to make my, my money back on mm-hmm. that. And so, so there's, and not to say that they're nefarious in any way, sure. Um, but there's, there's other motives yeah. versus just safety. Right. And there's certain standards out there that you like, why do we even have this? And when I bring it up, I'm like, this is just going to muddy the water for safety professionals. For example, the FR, mm-hmm. um, there's a twenty, there's ASTM F2302, which is another FR sort of standard. And it's 
So these test methods are are incorporated into ANSI standards. So the ANSI 107 standard, which is high vis, Mm -hmm. has this ASTM test method of 2302. But it's not even F. I mean, it's it's supposed to be FR, but it's really not FR Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And I'm like, why do we even need this? It's going to muddy the water for Mm -hmm. safety professionals. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not our responsibility that who, you know, of, you know, who, who, who uses it or not. I'm like, you have 12,500 standards. <laughs> what safety professional is going to know all those freaking standards? Right. And your sales rep isn't going to know all those standards. No. You look at some of these FR stuff, and they'll, they'll cite some uh, other ASTM standard, which is meant for draperies. Mm. Seriously. Flammability of yeah. curtains and drapes yes, and things. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with clothing. Mm-hmm. But yet they'll they'll reference oh it's oh it's as it's a it's what's ANSI or it's ASTM oh okay sure, but do you actually mm-hmm. go and look at it? Mm-hmm. Look at the standard? No, and, and nobody has time for all of that. Yeah, but somebody you know we need more safety professionals in these ASTM committees in these ANSI committees, and there's always slots for for safety Are professionals because you'll be a user versus. A producer, or, you know, a, mm-hmm. or a rep. So the re- so the companies and the testing labs are do- making all these decisions. Pretty much, there's very at least very, without without input from safety right, folks. Right, right. Very little input from safety mm-hmm. folks. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's a nefarious thing on the parts of of these companies and yeah. stuff, but it certainly would help because mm-hmm. I'm I'm out there alone to be mm-hmm. honest. So I'm serious. <laughs> right. like, <laughs> they're getting sick of Doris Burns. Well, um, good. But, <laughs> but hold them accountable at least, or ask important questions. Right, right. Uh, and so we just we need more. And so how do you go about getting onto a volunteering so to be on a committee? How do you just do volunteer? That? Seriously, they they're they're looking for safety professionals again, users mm-hmm. to be on these committees. And I, and you know, if you got a CSP or a CIH, you can get you know your CEUs by mm-hmm. doing this. I wish I'd have known that before I lost all my <laughs> credentials. But. And ASTM, so, you know, most people are, you know, part of ASSP. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ASTM International is actually cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, and we need people mm-hmm. on the ASTM. That, that would be great. That, and I it's think like a... 75 bucks a year to mm-hmm. be on a committee. Now, granted, you have to pay f- for yourself to go to the committee meetings. Mm-hmm. But you can also usually attend via... Zoom or sure. some conference call kind of a but thing. But how many how many times does the committee? Uh, they meet twice a year. Okay. Um, January and June usually. And is yeah. it is it uh, is there a, a standard location, or um, could this be just anywhere around the country? Or how does that work? It's a, it's around the country. So okay. I I want to say January is in uh, San Antonio. Seems reasonable. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So I'll be presenting this uh, my my dissertation mm-hmm. results. Because again, so the, again, so now this is the F twenty nine sixty one is the standard, the test method, and um, we just updated it in twenty twenty two because uh, ASTM you have to update your um, standards every seven years, and so it was due. Okay. And so we updated with just minor changes mm-hmm. again based off of some of my research. Oh, good. Um, but we just did minor changes, and one of the questions from the, one of the folks was, "Why are we only using three people?" I'm like, that's a darn good question. Right. But we don't have time to answer it right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, but legitimate question. Legitimate question. And then we found out through my testing that it probably should be four people mm-hmm. um, yeah. to get a more consistent answer. Mm-hmm. That's really fantastic. Yeah. I think that is a great um, 
recommendation. And I know a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of safety people are, you know, eight to five. Well, you're busy. I mean, you've got there's a life. Yeah, there's yes, always life right, outside of work right. going on. That, but we desperately need safety professionals where, so we are, as safety professionals, we're mostly reacting yes. to other people making our rules for us. Right. And we need to be part of that. We need to be at the ground level. And ASTM is really the ground level mm-hmm. because the ASTM test methods are then incorporated into NFPA standards, into ANSI standards, um, and also um, um, ASTM and ISO. They kind of work together, too, mm-hmm. on some things. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I started getting involved in the ISO part too. Nice. Yeah. And so you will continue to do this, obviously. I will. Because I want to, again, I want to finish this. I want to at least, because ASTM doesn't have a test method for grip characterization of gloves when wet with water and wet okay. with oil. So that's okay. what I, that's what I want to finish is that. Mm-hmm. And then again, if it, if, and I think I can probably get it through it because again, I'm doing it scientifically. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier to get things through the committee if you have science behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I want to continue that. It might take me a year or two years to get all of that finished, but mm-hmm. um, I can see the ASTM test method, including that. And yeah. hopefully I can get it into ISO as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? Uh, the volunteer work with the council and teaching, I think that's fantastic. And, and I, yeah, I love the outcome of that and the, the re- research and commit. Do you have time to do anything else? Well, this is finished. So after my big party, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. graduating. Mm-hmm. Which we're looking forward to. Yes, yes. Um, Very much so. Then I, I might just take a little break. Yeah, uh, probably. At least a week or so. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah, it's got to be exhausting. It the is. The final push. In particular, it's very stressful. So, for those that don't know, so stress um, causes sleeplessness. Oh, right. Sleeplessness causes hunger pangs, mm-hmm. and so when you're stressed and don't get enough sleep, you actually eat more and I'll eat more of the bad things. So that's what I got to do is I got to lose this weight from stress eating. Yes, I have that same issue, <laughs> and I haven't actually slept. For almost 13 years, I I have, when I turned 50, I don't know what it was, probably stress to some, I just stopped sleeping. I just could not fall asleep. But whatever, whatever uh, physiology in your brain allows you to go to sleep, I would lay in bed and just uh, stare at the ceiling and all of those things are going on, yeah. you know, and it's just really uh, noisy in my head. Uh-huh. And uh, so I started using... Uh, Sleep aids, uh-huh. I guess we'll call it. Uh-huh. You know, and um, you feel better. Uh, I sleep a little bit. You know, uh-huh. I do sleep a little bit, and so I probably feel better than if I had not slept for the last thirteen years. But it's not probably great quality sleep. It's interesting because um, I, I stress eat, and uh, I also do that ambient uh, haze eating. So, so I. I take Ambien, and uh-huh. so I, I'll take Ambien in the evening when I, about 30 minutes before I'm going to hope to go to sleep. I, you know, you kind of time it. Hopefully you don't mistime it. But there is that window where I take my Ambien, it's starting to have an effect, um, and then I eat. <laughs> and then and your body's then like, oh, I got to digest this. And now, yes, which doesn't help sleep. No. 
and I get up in the morning and I'll come out into the living room and there will be like empty bags and wrappers <laughs> laying around. You know, the dog will be over there licking up the Cheetos dust or something off the couch. And I'm like, what happened last night? You know, and I don't, I've never had that morning amnesia thing that they talk about with some of these sleep aids. Mm-hmm. I've never woken up. I, I always wake up very clear headed and, but the night before has been interesting for me a few times. <laughs> I've woken up on the floor a few times where I kind of mistimed the ambient, and my wife's like, "Oh no, I'm not moving." You know, so you just sleep right where you are, you know, or whatever. It's it's horrible. Well, I actually did research on on sleep and weight. You did? I did. No kidding. Yeah, I actually had an IRB approved study when I was at Grace Mayer. I I uh, did a study uh, on um, can we. Um, can we train people to get better sleep? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it showed that we could, that people could mm-hmm. get better sleep if, you know, they did certain things. So you can make lifestyle changes, not bi- even big ones. But then um, because the study was um, a little too short, I think, as far as time-wise, we couldn't see that um, sleep affected weight. But there's plenty of research out there right now mm-hmm. that the lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and stress in particular, Right, so stress is um, it uh, releases cortisol mm-hmm. into your body, and that um, cortisol. Um, I think a lot of I think stress kills people, mm-hmm. um, and it's because of the cortisol oh, wow. that's going through people's bodies, mm-hmm. and so that yeah, they might die of a heart attack, but it might it was probably caused from stress and the mm-hmm. cortisol through the body. Mm-hmm. But but no, there's plenty of research out there that says that lack of sleep. Uh, Gain you gain weight from lack of sleep. I would so, believe that. Yeah, so uh, that's so I would actually did a presentation to dietitians and I said, you know, one of the first things you should probably ask your folks is, uh, you know, if you're counseling somebody, is uh, how much sleep do you get? Mm-hmm. Because there's, like I said, there's plenty of research out there that shows that lack of sleep uh, affects the um, the two ghrelin and uh, mm-hmm. what's the other one? Um, it's the it's the hormones that make you have these hunger pangs mm-hmm. uh, and makes you feel hungry. And, and the other hormone um, um, doesn't let you feel sated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a dietitian, you should say, well, how much mm-hmm. do you get good quality sleep? And you should have at least seven and a half hours. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you, do you listen to, I mean, podcast, other than this no. podcast, <laughs> <laughs> this is called what's the hazard, by the way. Oh, I don't know. Oh, if you've ever, oh. Well, it's but, on your shirt. That's yeah, how I knew. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever worn the shirt. Really? In fact. Yeah. So, um, there, there are a number, those are podcasts that I find interesting, kind of the health, fitness, wellness podcasts. There's a guy named Andrew Huberman. Have you heard this name? He is a, he's a PhD uh, researcher, like kind of neuroscientist out at Stanford. Huh. A dump of an institution. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, can't find anybody good to hire out there. And, um, but he, he has a podcast that is really interesting, and he talks about sleep and stress all the time and yeah. the effects of that, the yeah. negative effects of lack of sleep, high stress levels, cortisol, and all those kind yeah. of things. Really interesting. And I think, you know, I mean, it be, has become one of the pillars of wellness, you know, that we kind of used to take for granted or ignored or whatever. Well, and people who, you know, were didn't get a lot of sleep, they're like always at work, and, you know, that was a – that was socially accepted. That was yeah, like, you're it was like, like a wow, badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 18 hours a day, I'm working. I'm going to sleep four hours a day. I'm right, just fine. Right, right exactly. <laughs> I'm just fine, exactly. No kidding. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, so that was one of the first studies. that. So I had, 
again, IRB. So anytime you do um, uh, any kind of research with human subjects, you have to get you have to write out your 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 research project in detail, mm-hmm. everything in detail, mm-hmm. and then submit it to the institutional review board so that they can approve your study for human subjects. So this, I had to do the same thing for this. So it's kind of nice really? to already have. You, you, oh, interesting. I'd already done it through my in a master's program, but I, I mean, I was just interested in it. You know, I was just interested in, 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 uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I I didn't realize that you would have to go through those approvals. Just, is it more of of a, they just want to make sure that we're not crossing some ethical lines or something or exactly. Cause, uh, and it all started from the Tuskegee. Um, and you probably heard about the Tuskegee research project Mm -hmm. where, uh, they were using uh, black males in syphilis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there had been a cure for syphilis, but they didn't inform the mm-hmm. black males that they were using in their syphilis study that there was a, that there was a cure. They wanted to see what happened because it causes, you know, people to go insane. Right, a horrible. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. And they just kept on going and didn't tell these guys that, oh, by the way, we could have. Yeah, we could have stopped we, this. We could have cured you, but. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, and so ever since then. Um, Somebody thought maybe we better keep an eye <laughs> on. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Holy so crap. yeah. So everything in detail. I mean, even even my flyers that you know I sent mm-hmm, out to mm-hmm. say, hey, you want to be a test subject? Even that had to be approved by the really? institutional review board. I, I never everything, even considered yeah, that. In wow. the nth detail. Yes. Oh my. Yeah. There's a lot that and goes you, into it. Yeah, and you have to you have to have a cogent reason of why you're doing the research. Period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, so yeah, you have to make some kind of an add value argument or something that this is going to be useful or right. The information is important. Yes, you can't just do it for fun or that's to right. torment people. That's or <laughs> I, I, Unless I put the name Doug Fletcher to torment say, oh, Doug yeah, Fletcher. Yeah. Oh well, okay. Is he that <laughs> asshole? From- Yes, I get that. No, that's interesting. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, my that's, God. That, t- that took A lot me. of layers to this. And even that, just writing, that's another one of these. Just to do the <laughs> just IRB. Just to get the approval. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I know. And so, what? So, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I had to retire, so I could finally finish this thing. Because yeah. if I didn't finish, I think they were going to kick me out. Like, get this done, Doris. Time's up, Doris. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All of your professors are re- leaving and retiring. It's, you need to finish up. But, but I mean, that is monumental, though. And I, the amount of work that would go into doing this, in addition to working full-time, traveling, as you said, being busy with a life, a full life, and doing this, I can't imagine. When I was in graduate school, I was just a full-time graduate student, mm. and I couldn't finish. You know? I, I just find that... Uh, remarkable, you know. So like I said I started it. I had to finish. What yeah. what uh, what else is on the bucket list of things that you would like to do, safety or otherwise? I mean, um, so, you, so, anything that you have left undone that you want to do, well, or always, I've always got. So I don't I don't create a bucket list because I'm thinking this is my demented mind. I guess is that if you make, if you create a bucket list. Then you finish everything on the bucket list. You're like, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm. That's actually an interesting point. (laughs) I guess I can go now. (laughs) That would be an interesting research study. (laughs) Mortality and morbidity related to bucket list completion. That's an interesting question. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Like, I finally made it to Paris. Boom. You know, or whatever. Oh shit, that's hilarious. Yeah. 
So no. So I, you just take them as they come in your mind. Or? Well, I I still so I I do a little bit of genealogy, and that's mm-hmm. that's very interesting. Again, mm-hmm. the um. The, the DNA part of that mm. is very interesting to me. So I actually found out where my great, great grandfather, I think it was great, great, where he came from when it was Prussia at the time, mm-hmm. um, where he, through DNA. Mm-hmm. So his. Did you do like a 23andMe or one of those? I was types on, of I or? was on, uh, so I have my DNA uh, in Ancestry and I have it in My Heritage. Mm-hmm. And it was in My Heritage. That I got a, I got a link to another guy who's doing his genealogy, who happens to be. So my great grandfather's brother came to the United States before him, and we could actually find information on him. And that guy's great, great, great grandson was doing genealogy and put his DNA on, which, which then linked my great-great-grandfather to his great-great-great-grandfather so they can only have the same mom and dad. Wow. Because I couldn't find anything on my great-great-grandfather mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was Prussia, mm-hmm. which is now, where he was from is now Poland, mm-hmm. and countries have just gone, mm-hmm. this country has it, then that one, and, and, and any time a new country came in, they would just, you know, mm-hmm. obliterate whatever you know came before. Right. And so there was like no records. No records of any. Yeah. Right. But his brother had records. And so I was able then to uh, connect everything. Interesting. Through, yeah, and actually find the ship he, my great-great-grandfather came over and, and actually, you know, re, re, redid the steps. I actually went over there to Poland. and uh, Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I, and I you know, because he had to go from Poland, he had to go on a train, and I, I got an old map from that era, and then he had to go to... Uh, Statine, at the, it's called Chechen now, uh, and then up to Swinomunda, which is called Swinochi now. So that was the other problem is that all the old names are not there anymore. So right. I couldn't even find the old town mm-hmm. of... Uh, everything's been renamed. Renamed, and there's like no... If you Google the, the name that the town used to be, it's not... You can't even find it. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually able to find uh, somebody from the University of Hawaii that... I also had family from the same area, so he was able to help me out too. So, I mean, that's just kind of fun stuff. Because, like really you said, you're curious. This curiosity mm-hmm. just kills you sometimes, though. I, I've become more curious about those things as I've aged. Same here. Yeah. You know, I didn't really care at all, other than it was kind of cool to be able to say, um, you know, from wherever. Yeah. You know, but, right. but I find that stuff more interesting now. I do too. I mm-hmm. do too. And, so, so let me that's ask you one this. of the things. That's one of the things I want to do. That's a cool project. Genealogy, and there's always things. But actually to do. go back to and experience these places, yeah. I think, is really cool. So, yeah, I found in Denmark I did the same thing with some of my family, too. And I know I, 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 we found cousins in really? Denmark, so I still keep in contact oh with them. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. I have cousins. Um, my mother's brother, so my uncle, has had three daughters. I have three female cousins on that side and I think their mother perhaps um my aunt was from Denmark and so the three girls went back to Denmark together and kind of went to the old yeah the old towns and homes and there were they still had family over there which is really cool you know and I didn't really think about it you know it was just by a lark that I found my cousin over there in Denmark and uh 
and she took us around to the old, like where the churches usually have the records mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. then of baptisms and whatever. And so my family goes back many, many generations in Denmark that I can, we can actually, and I never really thought about it until I went over there and I stepped in the church mm-hmm. that my four times great grandfather was baptized in and, mm-hmm. that, and the baptismal font is still there, wow. the same one. And you don't really think, you know, you, you know, you're just like, okay, this is great. This is great to, uh, it's great to see this, you know, but when you step there, you're like, this is where I came from. This is really cool. And it's, yeah. And you just like, you, really, you cool. really don't think that, you know, I, I, I thought it was, you know, okay, this is great, you know, but when you step in it, then it's, it's just something changes. I'll bet. And it's, it's I very cool. I have not cool. experienced that, but I bet it would. I bet you feel it. You do. It's palpable. Yeah. This is it's real. just, it's weird. It really yeah. is because again, I'm, I'm not that, you know, in, I mean, I wasn't really into it that much, but when you step foot in it, you're like, this is where I came from. That's cool. Yeah. I have one last question for you. We have to, we have to wrap it up. Our hour is up, but my last question for you is, have you dropped uh, like Dr. Burns on at restaurants yet or anything? <laughs> <laughs> what are your plans for flexing that newfound, uh, so I do go on the Legion. When I went into the Legion after I got it, I made sure all my friends there at the Legion knew I was Dr. They call Burns. You so, doc? Every, so every minute now and then I come in, oh, it's Dr. Burns. I'm like, right. like, yep, the doctor is in. The doctor is in. Like, <laughs> pour me one, Bob. I love that. No, I think yeah. you should be, you got to flex that a little bit, you know. And, and what is your specialty, Doc? <laughs> Grip strength, <laughs> PBE. No, yeah, like, oh, grip strength, of, uh, grip characterization of protective <laughs> right, glasses. Right. Eyes just glass over. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Not cardiology. No, no, but could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah could have been. Could have been, man. Could have, would have. That's cool. You could still go back to medical school. I, uh, You've got the prerequisites. <laughs> now I do. Right? Yeah, right. That's four years. And then, and then you still got to do, what is that, internship, residency, residency whatever. I'm like fellowships. I'm like, I'll be... Uh, I think it would be a hard sell at this point to get people into medicine. I think we're finding that perhaps with a shortage of nursing staff or, you know, and medical professionals. I mean, eventually you'll just probably, you know, you'll just ingest some type of a a, a nanobot or something Mm -hmm. that will do all the diagnosis for you and Mm -hmm. you won't need a, a human to do that. But in the meantime, you know, I... I don't know. Yeah. Are people going into medicine? I mean, I don't honestly. I don't think know. the medical schools are still full, aren't they? Uh, I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. Well, what do you? We're, we're done. Are you uh, well, going back to bed? It's ten o'clock in <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> You're a retired PhD. I know. I was gonna wear my jammies and have my hair all muffed up, muffed <laughs> right, up, but right, I thought, right. I'm like, it won't even phase you. <laughs> oh no, I, I come in that, that way all the time. Oh, that's good. I'm so happy to have you come on and talk in just a little bit about this. And I, I'm and again, for- I, I want to uh, emphasize again, safety professionals, you need to get more involved in I your love profession. That. That's a great message. Uh, you, you, you know, we need people on these, especially on these committees that are, you know, you're just reacting to these ANSI standards mm-hmm. and ASTM test methods and standards. You're just reacting. Yeah. We need people in those uh in those committees that are safety professionals who can, you know, breathe a little uh, uh, common sense into some of these. Well, let's find me a committee. Absolutely. Okay, let's find me a committee that I can participate (laughs) on, all right? Sounds good. Dr. Burns, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. I look forward to your party.
Yeah. I'm not going to say when or where because <laughs> fucking thousands of people will show up. But to celebrate, this is an incredible accomplishment, and I'm well, proud thank of you. you. Thank you very much. And yep. I'm happy to be on thank today. We'll, and uh, you'll come back maybe? And I don't know what else I've got to say. <laughs> Awesome. I mean, is your thing always on safety? If it's if it's no, on we can talk about anything. Oh, we are. Really? This is evolving into more like of a Joe Rogan type thing, <laughs> other than the you know hundred million dollar salary and stuff like that. But very otherwise very similar, you know. And the quality of the guests, no well, disrespect intended, but we can talk about anything. Yeah. So we'll we'll come up with something else. Maybe the genealogy thing would be interesting to talk more yeah, about. Yeah, because I, I mean, it's it. I think yeah. that's really interesting. And just the impact that that has on you. Yeah, because uh, I really didn't think it would. I didn't. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah. Thanks, Doris. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing important work. And we will talk to you soon. Later. A Huda Media Production.